You're listening to the Rose Youth Radio Podcast, the weekly mentoring community that helps to remove obstacles from your life in the DMV and beyond. This organization is here to develop life skills to unlock your true potential and make connections to colleges, universities, and the professional world. Discover the power of perseverance with your host, Mr. PG. Get ready to smash your goals. What's up, family? I'm your host, Mr. PG, and today I will be bringing you an episode that will help you develop the skills in your life in order to succeed. Always remember, your attitude, your confidence, and your character makes the difference. In Making the Difference, I present to you Mr. Crosby Treadwell. During his own adolescent years, he was an active swimmer who actively competed against swimmers who didn't look like him beyond his own neighborhood. Alumnus of Oxen Hill High in Prince George's County, Maryland, he continued his education and became a swimmer at Drexel University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Crosby was the first African-American male swimmer I have ever heard of in my entire life. I thought this was a magical experience as a child, and I began to research more swimmers. Mr. Treadwell is a part of my own upbringing and responsible for allowing so many, such as myself, to make the right choices at such a young age. His lessons have created an impact even when he didn't notice. He's truly making an impact today in the competitive world of swimming. He's an owner of an organization called Hill Swimming, helping to elevate all levels in the Washington DC area and across the DMV. He's a coach, mentor, and mindset developer to so many young swimmers while training them with his heart and head to help them remove obstacles within their own journey. There are so many obstacles that athletes face daily, and the most recent would be Ms. Shikari Richardson, who was eliminated from the next best steps of her track and field career. Our community wants to help you and anyone with a listening ear, so tune in right now because you'll be surprised by the countless lessons he's learned by becoming more exposed with sports than the average young African-American male in today's society. Yourself, introducing yourself. Good. Oh, hey man, look, take your time, brother. <laughs> introducing yourself, 
um, and as well as your organization to help the youth in today's society? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Crosby Treadwell. Um, uh, I am a Oxford Hill High School graduate, like yourself. Uh, I'm an alum of Drexel University. Uh, I currently run a small club team by the name of Peel Swim Club, helping to elevate all levels swim club. And I've been actually I've been involved with the world of swimming since the age of three when I was born in 1975 so you guys can do math with that but I've been uh, involved with the world of swimming since the age of three Uh, I've been involved with the world of competitive swimming since the age of eight Uh, as I alluded to before uh, I swam in Oxon Hill all four years lettered uh, all met County, etc., etc. Swam, swam a dash in Drexel. I won't even hold you. By the time I got to college, uh, let's just say I was distracted. So you know, while I was able, while my my gifts were able to propel me to the D one um, competition, my want to uh, uh, definitely failed me. And we can get into that if you like. But yeah, so that was that. Um, like I said, I've been a competitive coach, uh, USA Swimming certified competitive coach since the age of, excuse me, since the year of maybe 2004, 2005, it's 2021 now. So roughly about 15, 16 years I've been a USA certified. Right, right. USA certified swimming coach. Thanks for dating me. And, um, <laughs> uh, I established HEAL, uh, the LSC that I alluded to a little, a little while ago. I, I established that back in 2012. And through HEAL, I've been able to train individuals that have gone on to uh, D1 swim careers themselves. I currently have two of my original HEAL swimmers who are seniors at Howard University. Uh, so they're scholar athletes, John Van Dan and Dan's with fives. Uh, D'Angelo, well, actually, both of them coach under me with the uh, summer program that I had Tacoma Park DC All Stars, which is based out of uh, Tacoma Park uh, Aquatic Center, uh, right uptown over there by Coolidge High School. So, uh, long story of midget, I'm pretty much all things swimming. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I guess I'm the poor man's Aquaman, if you will, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's that, that's about it as far as my uh, yeah. That's concerned. what's cool about having gifts and skills that most coaches can't use. Talk about it. <laughs> Talk about. It. You know, everybody I, wants the fame. They yeah. want the glory. They want the you know the awards for doing certain things. When you know most of us know that it takes much more than that. First of all, you have to capture a kid's heart before you're even able to train them. Number one. And then it's funny you mention that, EJ, because just what you just said brings me back to a conversation I had with an individual. I actually, I want to say it was Daniel, which is ironic. Mm. Uh, I had a conversation with him yesterday about just that, being able to lead people. And the way to lead people, whether it's 
coach, athlete, whether it's parent, child, whether it's teacher, student, au pair, child, you know, you get the gist, um, is you have to actually tap into the person, right? Because we're all individuals, you know, no, no two people are alike. And it's, mm-hmm. as, as, as cliche as that sounds, it's the absolute truth. So, you know, to bring it full circle, like you just touched on, every there are a lot of people that have titles mm-hmm. but there the number of people that have titles is much larger than the number of people who are effective with those titles and i would like to think that i'm relatively you know effective with my title mm-hmm. you know and, and and even to piggyback on something you said earlier you know because you you went live earlier and I, uh, I uh, tapped in, into that, and you touched on, you know, success not being simple, right? Success comes through work. And I have a saying that I've shared with my athletes for quite some time now. It's success only comes before work in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Right? You, 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 there's no other way to get to it. But like you said, in the microwave society that we've come to know, you log on or you, you, you push play and you see whomever who looks successful and you figure, well, dang, they must have did that yesterday and now today, look at them. No, <laughs> no, they've been doing that for a, a decade and a half, if not more, Real you know. Superman, huh? <laughs> You know, yeah, they're like, oh, he just went in the booth, changed out of his suit, and now he has the work. No, that's not how it works. So, yeah, so, you know, it's... um. It's interesting being in my field. Uh, obviously, there are not a lot of people of color in the world of competitive swimming. So, you know, taking that in consideration as I continue on in my journey brings about other variables, right. you know, uh, is what I would say to that. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about tapping in. It's all about your care, your want to first and foremost, because it goes from the top to the bottom. Nothing trickles up. You know, the old saying is that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I consider myself to be the tree, you know, and as the tree, I have to hold myself to a certain standard before I can even expect the apples Mm -hmm. to hold themselves to that same standard. So my bad, I don't mean it. I don't mean to get to dominate. You what? I, I I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, you can. That's the oh, okay. Point. Oh, okay. 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 Create a conversation. Create a vibe. Yeah. yeah Anything yeah, yeah. that you say, I'm sure will help somebody. I hope so. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I just first want to thank you for always being a prime example, even when I was younger. You know, certain things that you know the older crowd did that you all would not allow us to do including myself mm-hmm. um <laughs> even mm-hmm. it was stuff that we already knew about you know you still mm-hmm. wouldn't allow us to see it or go mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. so i do thank you for that because there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people who influence kids at a very young age yeah. and like we said before with capturing kids with their heart they only go with what they see mm-hmm. so they really don't have a mindset of well, you know, I believe that is wrong. I shouldn't do that. That's not true. Right. So, you know, some of my younger mentees, like 
I I do from K through twelve and college students. So I actually okay. have students at Howard, but I don't I'm not uh, familiar with the students that you have. Okay. I actually would love to get in contact with them to help. Absolutely. Get it, I can. Oh. Um, but you know, it just goes to say that when you have people in your life who will actually touch a part of you that not even a parent can touch, mm-hmm. it's a whole different mindset. It's yeah. not degrading your parents. It's not saying your parents wasn't the parent that they were supposed to be. And as you know, I come from a two-parent household, which is mm-hmm. very rare. And you know, in our community, yeah, a lot of people always, you know, tell me about, oh, well, you're rich, you had a two-parent household, but it's like you don't know what was going right. on. So <laughs> how can you tell me yeah. what the deal was? Like you, you can't sit up here and say just because I had two parents in the household that everything was peaches and cream. It wasn't. Right. So you know, you look for other outlets through other people. And when you see that from the older crowd, because even with me, I've always looked up to older folks. Like, people always said I had an old soul. And I'm just right. like, well, what and does you, that mean? And you do. And <laughs> when you're younger, no one knows what an old soul is. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have an old soul. So then I used to go around saying I got an old soul. I'm not right. going to relate to that. And that was what yeah. I stuck to because People will tell me that in my family, you got an old soul. I'm like, okay, we lead a lot of children off with different expressions that grown adults understand the concept to, but we but don't. But you don't, yeah. yeah. So That's a good point. I don't That's a good say point. stuff without an explanation. And when I used to ask for an explanation, there was none. <laughs> so right. it was like, it is what it is. It's, what I said is what it is, right? right? It's my way or no way. <laughs> and there was no Google, so... <laughs> yeah, so um, I've definitely been watching you growing up, watching several others. Um, I remember when I used to hear about all the stuff that you used to do when you were swimming, and I used to be like, oh, dang, I should go to, you know, a meet and stuff like that. But, of course, we played football, and, right. you know, we were always gone, so it was never a chance to even see you swim or anything like that. But to actually hear of a black man that's a swimmer. It's very rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's, very rare. So let's talk about how you got into swimming. Let's start oh, with that. Okay. So again, like I said, around around the age of three I was introduced to swimming. And as you and I were talking offline offline earlier, um, the main reason I was introduced to swimming was because my asthma was so severe that you know, I found myself in the incubator at the hospital mm. about maybe two to three times a week. Mm. So my my uh, my doctor at the time suggested to my mom that maybe I get into swimming because it would help strengthen my lungs. Mm. So, you know, right down there, Capital East, right behind Eastern Market, where it seems like everybody learned how to swim. Right. Um, you know, I got thrown in that, that small wading pool right behind the glass when you first came in. And, I mean, for the most part, the rest was history from about three to about, I say three to about six. You know, I did the learn the swim circuit in the summers. Um, and around about the age of six, age of seven, you know, what the older guys, to your point, what the older guys on the other end of the pool were was doing, 
piqued my interest. And, you know, so I asked my instructor to tell me, you know, what I can remember this like yesterday. Well, where, where are those guys, man? Said, well, that's the swim team. And it's funny you mentioned the the, the, the the skin color because all of those guys looked like me. Right. But they're zooming up and down the pool, you know, so I'm like, man. Well, how do I, uh, and, you know, at that age, yeah, you're too young. I guess that was the senior. Yeah, that that was the that was the senior level or what have you. And I understood it from the standpoint. Clearly, I wasn't ready to jump in with them. But to your point, I was interested enough that please steer me in that direction. That that that's where I want to go. And you know, I, I think my first experience with um, competitive swimming was like a summer entity you know, for people that uh, um, not of the swim world, so to speak. Summer swimming is a little less strenuous than the year-round swimming, kind of like any other uh, sport. You know, you have the year-round circuit and the summer circuit, not as strenuous. So, you know, I was introduced to the summer circuit and, you know, I swam competitively for DC Wave. It, it's been a few uh, different variations, DPR, DCDR, but I swam for the District of Columbia Department of Recreation from about the age of 8 to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, after that, the Drexel swam for a little bit, but, you know, while I was swimming for DCPR, which is the District of Columbia Parks and Recreation, while I was swimming with DCPR, I participated in what was known back then as the Youth Games, which is like a uh, spinoff from the Olympics. So it's um, uh, athletes from age 8 to 15 from all different cities. I mean, Atlanta, D.C. Like I said, it's, it's a spinoff of the Olympics. And, you know, we compete uh, in Philly or Atlanta and things of that nature. So I did that for a few years, a few summers. Um, as I continue to hone my skills, if you will, as you can imagine, you know, you climb, when you climb the ladder of um, a sport that isn't necessarily based in our backyard, if you will, there are fewer and fewer people that start to look like you. So, I mean, there were times where my mom and I, we're in Poseidon, Maryland, or uh, I don't know, Lee, Lee District, Virginia, or somewhere like that, where I qualify for different events that you know, maybe one or two other of my uh, swim team members are qualified for. So, you know, I say that, I say all of that to say, you know, I, of course I would have liked to be introduced to swimming maybe through some other uh, vessel than, you know, do this or you may die, right? Mm -hmm. I.e. strengthening my lungs, but by the same token, you know, when I look back on it now, you kind of touched on that too. When you're, when you're, when you're young, your perspective, you're, 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 you can't see the forest from the trees. As you continue to get older and older, those who you know actually have something in between their ears, you can start to see the forest from the trees more and more and more. And I say that to say, as I got older, I, and, and, and even now, I look back on you know, my experience uh, in the world of swimming and where it's put place me now and, and I wouldn't trade for I wouldn't trade for the world. Like you know, we, we you and I come from the same neck of the woods. So what we were exposed to versus what I was exposed to 
with this world, right, pale to comparison. So I, I actually got to see both sides of the coin, you know. So, you know, I, I as much as I like Master P, I like Bon Jovi too. And I, I mean, that's tongue in cheek. I, I mean, I'm just saying, that's tongue in cheek, but I don't, I don't have me even being introduced to Bon Jovi if it weren't for me being on a swim deck somewhere and that's what they're playing. But, you know, that's just an example of, you know, how how much more of the world that was spent, you know, once I got outside of, for lack of a better way of describing it, my color, you know. So it, it um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how it began, you know, as, as a, 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 a medical, uh, a medical issue, if you will, but that medical issue put me in a position where I was able to excel in an arena that a lot of people that don't look like us excel in. So. Exactly. And it's crazy that you say that story like that because I never knew that. Yeah. Just yeah. That, that you like swimming. I was like, well, maybe he went to the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of yeah. people assume that. But 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 to, to to your point, you know what I you you know what I really love. Right. And that's the same thing that you and your brothers would go play, mm. which conflicted with you seeing swimming. I love. It was not. Even, I'm sorry. I said it in the past tense. I love football. Right. Right. And quick story about that. By the time I was getting ready to go to Oxon Hill High School, you know, I had to make a choice because swimming and football are the same season, as you know. So it's like, okay, I accept, I, I would like to say I was an above average athlete, right? So there weren't too many things, you know, my, my dad had me in boxing early, uh, you know, I never played basketball under the under a whistle, but I was pretty good at basketball, football obviously swimming so you know i was a pretty well-rounded athlete but again since i had already been swimming i'd already built up exactly. you know so much of a background in swimming it really made no sense to say okay now i'm 14 let me start playing football with guys who've been playing football since they were eight right, right. which which would have made the same sense as somebody who's 14 saying hey, let me hop in the pool now and give this a try you know, so by the time I got to Oxon Hill, I had to kind of sort of, you know, make the decision at that fork in the road. In addition to the fact when I was playing Pop Warner, you know, I, if I were to get hurt, you know, a, a sprain here or a hairline fracture there, not only did it take me out of the football field, but it took me out of the pool too. So mom's was just not rocking. She was like, you know what, let me help you make your decision. <laughs> Swimming it is. You know <laughs> right. <laughs> told me about a story where there was a kid that died 
because he didn't get to his inhaler in time. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I and I've had those experience. Like I've I've been at a swim pool at a swim meet, mm. finished a race, and I mean, I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but I mean, I I, I get out and it feels like an elephant mm-hmm. is standing on my chest, and I, yeah. I'm, I mind you, I just got finished racing. Exactly. So there's the natural need for air there, in addition to being asthmatic. And I, I, I vividly remember having to use someone else's inhaler because my inhaler was too far away for me to get to. So anything will work. Anything will work. Yeah, you know, anything will work. Anything will work. When you, you know, can't breathe, you ain't thinking about this. Joke. Oh man, yeah, I'm not thinking all that. Rinse it off, and whose is it? Look, give. Look, I don't care whose it is. Yeah. That's that's medicine. You know? So yeah, that was me too. Um, the doctor couldn't figure it out for the world though. But when I played basketball, that was the reason why I had to stop when we played football yeah. at the drill club because my asthma was terrible. Like yeah. running up and down the court, it would be it'd be over. I I could not do it. I can and imagine. It'd be funny because the doctor was like, "Well, how can you play football running across the field if you can't even go up and down the court?" And I was like, "I don't know." So then later on, I think when I got to like a teenager, I think he said that it's probably my adrenaline uh, when I'm on the field that makes me want or really don't recognize okay. that I'm out of air like that. Right. But I can, you know, use my breathing techniques. I can do what I was, you know, practicing since I was younger to calm it down and open up my airways. But as we all know, it's nothing you can do with uh you know what they call it involuntary organ. You can't right, yeah. it's yeah. just trying to compress yeah. ourselves to get air. If there's no air and the bronchial tubes are clogged up, it's just that's it. No yeah. Air. yeah. So yeah. that's definitely uh ooh, that's not something to take lightly. Anyway. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I've, I've, I've had. Uh, I sit back and think about it now. I mean, I alluded to that that episode, but even as recently as. Maybe 2013, 2014, yeah, I had an episode that honestly, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it had gotten to the point, like you said, where I can feel that there's no air going into my into my body. And, and I don't know what triggered it. I don't know if it was uh, uh, allergy based or what, but I mean, it came out of nowhere. And I, you know, because I, I have the whole thing. I have a, a, a nebulizer. Like I have, you, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, the whole kit. My, my, my pump is in my pocket. Like, like it's, it's the real deal. And when this hit, you know, uh, my fiance, she's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm, you know, I'm a guy. Yeah, I'm all right. This, this too shall pass. Right. And then maybe two, three minutes later, it's not passing. Bro, long story of midget, they had to bring the gurney in here to get me because I didn't even feel like I could make it to the door. And I'll never forget on the way from the gurney to the ambulance. I just, I mean, I don't know what it feels like to die. I'm I'm sitting here now, but it it, it felt like, okay, this is it. This is because I don't, I don't feel like I'm breathing anymore. I, I can see, I can't hear. Oh, okay. Maybe. Wow. But you know, speed, you know, I was able to make it down to Greater Southeast yeah, Community Hospital. That didn't happen. Oh man, that's that makes two of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
I didn't know about that one yeah. either. Once yeah. I heard that that didn't happen. Cause I've been in that situation as well. Um, and I know what you mean when you are inside of your head like that. When uh, I had a slip and fall with a lawnmower, okay. it just okay. amputated my toe. Oh. And it was not good at all. I was like, finished pretty much the entire yard and then going over and going downhill for the last patch. And I just fell in out of nowhere. And previously, I had a car accident um, head on collision maybe three months earlier. So that was May. And this happened in July. And it was hot outside. It really was hot but I don't feel like I passed out from the heat or nothing like that. But I did remember a situation where my ankle was a little injured from the accident, but not much. Okay. But I felt like I heard a pop and then I failed. And then I felt myself going down the hill with the lawnmower and I pushed it away from me, but it, right. still went, it still went with me. I don't know how, but it still went with me. And then my leg went like under all the way oh. up to my calf. And when I pulled it back, all I heard was a clunk. And you know, oh, like, the rock, yeah, the yeah. rock bed was right there. So I'm thinking that the rock got, you know, all up in the, the blade or whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, like, I hope I didn't break this lawnmower. I'm thinking about the lawnmower. Right, right. <laughs> see, see, that's that's shock. Yeah. Not that's knowing shock. that a clunk just happened that's involving me. I'm right. Like, so I'm already on my butt, fell down. And then I tried to stand up and boom, fell down like a baby. I was like, what the? So I stood up again and not really being able to stand up because of my foot. I stood up again and then back down again. I was like, what the? So then I looked down at my foot and there was nothing. I had a pair of Jordans on. I don't know why I was cutting grass with them Jordans. And I normally cut with steel toe boots. Yeah. And it like sliced across the top ah. of my patent leather shoe. And when I saw it, I ain't seen nothing. I just saw that, I was like, oh, it just cut my shoe because I could see it from like the bottom of the rubber to the across the top. And that was it. So then I tried to pull the shoe back because I saw it filling up and I pulled it back. It was nothing but blood and I was like, oh God. Mm. And that's when I went out of my mind. I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, I literally had to crawl. Well, first I took my sock off my other, my right foot, and I broke it. And tied it, and yeah. Me, and tied it around. And tied my foot. it, yeah, I yeah. Remember seeing my foot, but I tied it around to slow it down, and I started crawling to the daggone. I started crawling. I get irritated. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started crawling because I was dialing nine one one, and I was missing all the numbers. Mm. All the numbers. And when I look back over my phone, I was down like 1991, yeah. And then I just went back to my recent and called my best friend. And I was like, kid, I said, like, call the ambulance. I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know why. She was like, stop playing. And then this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this to everybody. Don't play about situations. Yeah. Like yeah what they, what they, what they say, crying wolf. Because I called out to her playing jokingly about maybe a week or two before that, saying that the tire had popped off, I was on the side of the road, all this craziness. It was, I forgot what we was doing, but we always played. But I would never play like that again. So when 
this incident happened, she didn't believe me, and she was on her way out with the, with her cousin. So I don't think she hung up. She just was like, stop playing, stop playing. And I think she could hear, like, the gravel in my voice because I couldn't really speak like that because I was, like, in shock to the point where I didn't really know where I was at. And I was like, if this is it, this is it. Like, this is it, yeah. I would have been at peace. <laughs> Knowing me, knowing who I am, what I've right. done, I'd have been at peace with it. But I wasn't ready. Right. I know I wasn't ready. And you know what, EJ, not to cut you off, but that's kind of, that's what I mean when I felt like, like you, I was headed that way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, as much as I didn't want to be headed that way, I didn't want to be in the, the, the situation that I was in at the moment. Right. It wasn't a fight. It was like, well, I mean, it was like, if this is, yeah, right. Like, I mean, what, what more can I do if, yeah. if in fact, you know, as they say, this is my number being called, but right. I didn't even cut you off. But yeah, that's, I didn't know that. I didn't know. So, 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 so you, so you have nine toes. Huh? You have nine toes. Cause you said you cut yeah, it off. My big, my big toe on my left foot is. Like it spliced, like it. I mean, it was like a clean cut. Whatever the Lord did, whatever happened, it was a clean cut to the way that they could clean it up and like take the skin from under my foot. Oh, and put it. Okay, okay. So the bone, like it's like that. So the bone is over there, but there's no nail in it. Wow. So it's like half, and they was like, oh, um, you know, it it was just, it didn't hurt though. That was right. That's that's weird. Yeah, it did. That's weird. It was like a throbbing feeling. Yeah, the whole time. So, so does that mess with your balance? For me, uh, it depends. It depends. Okay. Not much. I won't say it don't. Not much. And the okay. doctor thought I wasn't gonna be able to walk right, or I was gonna walk with a limp. But I already walked on the ball of my feet anyway. Okay. From being a linebacker. That's right. Right. Yeah. So okay, I think yeah. that strength from my calves and my. You know, just yeah. overall agility of being on my feet and, you know, can move and be more agile. I think that helped a lot because I've seen other people who have the same thing. And it's like, you can see that they're walking with a limp. I don't walk uh, with a limp. Okay. So, you know, they was like, oh, well, you know, you, you, you might want to get another surgery and we can, you know, do a. Uh, a prosthetic and I was like, oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I said, you think I want to go through the same thing I went through? Uh, right. No. No. Unnecessarily, not to mention, yeah, right? I, like, like, yeah, I, yeah. I can't handle that right now. That was just too much. So, wow. you know, it's funny because now I feel like I finally met somebody who kind of had the same experience. Because everybody used to say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, or you just sound crazy. Yeah, and because uh, it was like I was, I was here, but I wasn't. Here. You weren't, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, bro. And like, I was like I would never feel normal again. That's what I was. Uh, I never feel normal again. I felt like I went to another world in my head, and then it was just like I'm here, I'm back, bro. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Like I'm like, oh okay. And then next thing I know, I'm in the emergency room with the Bane mask on. I actually posted, <laughs> I actually posted something about it when I was, you know, when I was there. But yeah, it's by the time I, I guess I don't think I ever lost consciousness. By the time I came, yeah, I didn't even. Once I got my faculties together or closer to normal, 
I remember the nurse saying, yeah, you had, you had 0% oxygen. Like, oh, wow. that, yeah, like, that's how much oxygen you were taking in. Like, you, you can't get any lower than 0%. So, that's why you have this mask that's covering your whole face, sir. I'm like, hey, damn. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. And I used to fight those nurses when they used to come in there and put the mask on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 You're not alone. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about your obstacles that you face when uh, being a young swimmer and then going to high school and competing. Uh, well, again, I, the obstacles that I I, I faced. I can't get this. Well, you went to Oxford High School too, so you know Oxford was uh, more of an urban school, if you will. So, my the challenges that I was that I that I was faced with were more from the standpoint of you know maybe getting my peer group to even be interested in this thing that I'm interested in because my whole four years at Oxford. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I was the only one, or maybe there was like, actually, you know what? I take that back. I was the only one who actually was a swimmer. You know, like it, it, our swim team wasn't, uh, you know, a make the cut kind of swim team. So all, all were welcome, but you know, there was clearly a line between those that were recreational and those that were competitive. Yeah, the competitive ones. And I was I was clearly a competitive one. Like I was the one that was qualifying for the end of the year championship meets during our tryouts, you know, because I'd already been club swimming since the age of eight. And now you're talking about eight to fourteen, so that's six years I'm in. You know, but you know, uh that was one of the challenges, feeling like, you know, I'm kinda alone in this as it pertains to my peer group because Everyone's doing basketball or football or some other thing that that is popular to us. Whereas here I am, you know, as I alluded to off air, going to Patton's Corner before going to school to swim practice, and then after school, I was going to my club practice. You know, I I, I can't count on I can't tell you how many times someone asked me where the swim pool was at Oxford High School, and it got to the point where. I would just tell them anything. Like, oh yeah, it's under the gym. Go ask Miss Johnson. She'll <laughs> she'll show you where the, the pool is. You know, because that's that's just how aloof most people were, or at least the ones that you know I kicked it with outside of that arena. That's just how aloof they were. So, you know, when it came time for competitions, you know, of course, mom was there. Maybe a club coach or two would come, but outside of that, you know, there was very little support and. If you if you if you think about it, that's late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. So I I I wanted I aspired to be a white swimmer. I wanted to be Matt Bianchi, who was one of the strongest swimmers in USA at the moment. Um, 
went on to go to Michigan University of Michigan. So that's who I wanted to be. That's how few people that looked like me were in the arena. So my aspirations were to be someone who didn't look like me. So I say that to say you can imagine how many, you know, people that did look like me and were my age were actually, as they say, checking for me or supporting me or, or even caring, you know, what I was doing outside of what they were comfortable with. So that was probably my biggest challenge. On the other, on the other side of the coin, uh, another, well, we can say obvious challenge because it's been what it's been since the beginning of time. The other side of the coin was how people, how people, people who, how people treated you that didn't look like you. You know, so you kind of, depending on the arena, you get, uh, you kind of get that glare, like, did they make a wrong turn or are they looking for the gym and mm. they stumbled across the pool or, you know, you may have somebody to just may straight up ask you, you know, what's your time in this event or how'd you qualify for this event, things of that nature, or just, again, the overall lack of welcome, I guess is the way to put it. The overall lack of welcome just added to the discomfort that I would sometimes get from the opposite end of the spectrum, people who did look like me. So it, it was, you know, looking back on it, it was a difficult journey. Again, I wouldn't change anything about it. I, I love the fact that my world, was, my, my world was expanded because of, you know, the world of swimming, but I mean, it, uh, it it wasn't easy, you know. It, it was it wasn't easy at all. And, and most of the challenges that you know I experienced then, um, a lot of people that look like me still experience now in that arena. And heck, even as a club owner and head coach, to a certain degree, I still experience those challenges. So, you know, that I, I would say that was probably think, looking back on it. The, the most glaring of the challenges. Of course, it's athletics. So, you know, how far do you want to climb and how hard are you willing to climb? So there were those challenges, but those are kind of inherent. You know, they go with athletics. So outside of those those general challenges, I'd say the most the, the most glaring challenge was the fact that here's this here's this black kid in this white world. You know, and I, I've even alluded to this um, before on Facebook. I think it was during the whole BL, BLM movement. Uh, where I said, you know, being a, a, an athlete of color, you have two choices. It's either the uh, plantation or the country club. And I went on to, to explain my, my opinions on the plantation versus the country club. The plantations are those sports where, you know, you're doing a lot of work, you know, for someone, I'll say. So that's your football, your basketball, your track, you know. You know, we, we don't own nothing, but we we darn sure do a good job for whomever, for whomever owns it, right? A million and billion dollars. We, make, we, we may make millions, but someone else makes billions. And then you have those country club sports, swimming, tennis, golf, you know, where 
I mean, they they kind of have to invite you, you know, for you to feel welcome. You know, of course, if the check clears, you're allowed to participate wherever you want. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, well, what, what's he doing over here? Or what's she doing with us doing that? You know, so that's that kind of... <clears throat> That, that, that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, what, what it's been like um, uh, as far as a person like me or a person that looks like me dealing in the arena that I, that I deal in. Yeah, so. so let me ask you this. Have you ever had any type of stronghold with someone saying something to you as far as a coach or at a track meet? I mean, at a meet. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, again, I, I just posted this not too long ago. I was, uh, you know, we went to West Virginia. So I'll start. This is how I'll start the story. We went to West Virginia for a swim meet. This was October of 2019. So I'm not talking about no old stuff. But we went to a swim meet. And, you know, my kids were doing relatively well. They weren't necessarily knocking anything out the park, but they were doing relatively well. And uh, I had an official while we were in the uh, the uh, uh, hospitality area come up to me. He says, uh, where are you guys from? I said, Washington, D.C. area. I said, oh, okay. Right. This is your first time at this meeting? I said, yeah. You know, just trying to break the monotony of a long club season. So, we wanted to do some traveling early. He said, oh, okay, I understand that. He said, I just wanted to tell you, man, your kids are so well behaved. Oh, wow. Oh, not, not your kids look good in the water. Wow. Not that one guy is really, really fast. None of the above. Your kids are really well behaved. Mm. Hmm. At a swimming, like what, what, how are they supposed to be? You know, and I and now the tricky part to that is one, I said thank you. And you know, moved moved the moved moved on. Cut that conversation short, like Yeah. That. Yeah, thank you. And just, you know, kept kept moving. But I was asking a parent on the way home from that meet, you know, the next day. I said, Am I making too much of this? And this is what I, not not to not to get off on a tangent, but this is what I reference when I say it's difficult being a black man. The fact that I have to question if there was anything, if, if there were if there were any undercurrent to it, because I would like to think that you're just pointing out how well behaved my kids are, but because I'm a black man, because not for nothing, we're the only team here that looks like me mm-hmm. and because we still live in the world that we live in, I do have to question, what did he mean? What did that mean? Am I missing something? Am I making too big of this? Right. You know, so that's just, that's just one of many examples. I actually have other examples that there is no question. <laughs> what the intent was, but I'll, I'll you know, <laughs> yeah, we won't. <laughs> but to answer your question in short, yes, yes, there has been, I mean, time as a swimmer, 
you know, there's been times as a coach, and it's alluded to one. And to be quite frank, and it sucks for me to say this, there'll be more times, you know, where I just experience blatant, blank, or, you know, hidden blank, and, you know. Those viewing can fill in the blank as they as they see fit. But yeah, I mean, as as a swimmer, you know, the the, the summer team that I alluded to, you know, there was a time where we would go to different entities, and they were country clubs like mm. Bel Air or you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those are just examples. Right. But we would go to country club type pools, and they would offer us watermelon. And bananas, and what? Oh yeah, I didn't stutter. I didn't stutter. Yeah. Like, and again, I can get deeper than that. But yeah, it, that's you know, it's not, it's not, it's it's not just TV. <laughs> you know, it's it's not just TV. And I mean, yeah, the harking back on it now. Kind of, kind of makes the blood boil just a bit, but I bet you know as the the older you, yeah, yeah. But I, but I mean, see what happens is okay. So you're 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 provoked, right? Something provocative happens. What happens next is more important than the provocative thing, because what 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 have we been taught? They don't catch the first person; they catch the second person. So once you poke, 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 and I'm finally tired of you poking, and I react in a way that is distasteful, to say the least, oh, it's not the poker, it's the pokey that's splattered across the paper or the TV or the internet. And it doesn't matter what the justification is. Exactly. You, you should not have done that. You should yeah. not. You should have never even thought to. Say you should that. never have thought to turn the other cheek, young man. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh. I can leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, You would have seen with watermelons and bananas too. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they were, you know, they were, they were. Uh, I'm not, I'm not even gonna give you that because you made. <laughs> you made matter, matter of fact, matter of fact, I am gonna give you that. They would gut, you know, so they would cut the watermelon in half, gut it, and wear it as hats. What? I did not start a new thing. And that's that's when I was swimming. So you're talking again, late '80s, early '90s. It don't matter when it was. Oh no, no, my my point is. I can give you, I just gave you West Virginia, which was 2019. Now I'm giving you something that was 30 years prior to that. I can give you stuff in between that timeline. I can give you stuff newer than 2019. Like, it's just, you know, I I don't want to disrespect it by saying it is what it is. I don't want to minimize it by saying that. But the reality is just that. You know, it, it is what it is. And I'm conscious, you know, let's let's be clear. I would never let anyone of any color, of any gender, of any status blatantly disrespect me or something that I represent. But by the same token, this is the world we live in. You know, it's, 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 it's not about, 
you know, it's like the, it's like your project. Your project is based off of, and I haven't tapped into it as much as I would like to, but I've tapped in, tapped into it enough to comfortably say your project is based in humanity, right? Helping people, not helping black people, not helping black girls, not helping helping people. Because when it's all said and done, we all need help, as you alluded to on your, your live earlier. We all, we all need help. You know, but the fact of the matter, the reality is, and again, I alluded to this earlier, we ain't all the same. And I, and I meant it like that. We ain't all the same. So, you know, you kind of sort of just try to solidify, or at least I do. I just try to, I try to be a better me each and every day. And I tell my swimmers, make your todays better than your yesterdays and make your tomorrows better than your todays. You know, again, sounds corny, but if you really try to apply that to your just daily, you know, way of life, you stand to be a better individual. And hopefully that becomes just as infectious as not being a good individual. You know what I'm saying? So... But yeah, I've uh, I've experienced some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this: Have your mother seen that at yeah. that time? Oh yeah, yeah, she was there for the watermelon and the bananas. Yeah, she was there. Right. That, like I said, that's you know, my mom, bless her heart, she went home in 2016. So again, we're talking about maybe 89, 90, 91. Right. Yeah, so she was front and center, you know, part of the, you know, my, my, my mom was extremely active mm-hmm. when it came to football and swimming. You, you remember our your boys and girls club? She was a part of that booster club. Right. And then even with the swim team, she was part of the, like, she, you know, I could, I, I, I have uh, former coaches of mine who still to this day, you know, will reference, oh, man, your mom, Miss Treadwell, was, no, she wouldn't let him play with us. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? Miss Trailwell wouldn't let him play with us. You know, oh, Miss Trailwell, she was front line. You know, so yeah, she was, unfortunately, she was there for that. I mean, but hey, my mom was born in, in, in 1941. Right. So as you can imagine, she, 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 it wasn't like, oh my God, this is what they think? You know, if anything, she put me in that arena to expose me to what the world is. And, and her and I, you know, again, as I said earlier, her and I, once I started to see the forest a little better, we had those conversations. Again, that's why I named you Crosby. They won't see Crosby. That's why I put you in swimming. Well, outside of the medical issue, that's why I, I pushed for swimming. While you were pushing for football, I was pushing for swimming because, yeah, okay, let's say you would have made it. You play for the Redskins or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you'll be another guy who played for the Redskins. But here, in this arena, if you want to, you won't just be another guy. You know, your impact. Yeah, your your impact will be different, you know. So, but yeah, she, uh... Yeah, she had a front row seat for a lot of it. That's good. She, um, oh, I forget emotion. I remember when I saw you at the 7-Eleven. 
when I first came back home. I think I was home for maybe like a week, and it was it was terribly busy. It was terribly busy, and that's one thing I fought myself for to this day, and how I try to control, you know, with tapping into making sure that you take care of home first, because I missed out on seeing her again, and um, it's something that I've had to deal with. It's something that that day I gave you a direct response of, "I'll come by later," but not knowing that I had a flight that night oh. because I was originally supposed to leave the next day, but I forgot that I switched my flight to that evening, which was okay. like at 11 o'clock at night. So I was going across the bridge to Virginia to a friend's house and um, getting all my stuff and then coming back home. But I never made it back okay. on the other side. So, you know, it's the little things like that that kind of, you know, eat you up, you know, when yeah. you when you feel like something that was close to you just will never be it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that was a hard time for y'all, you and your sister. Yeah. Because of how close y'all were to her, she definitely made an impact in my life. I cannot remember who it was. Somebody was going to the military. Who was that? Byron? I think so. He went to the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was at a time when me and my mother wasn't really seeing eye to eye because oh, oh I remember I, re- I remember you being around 49-11 and I remember why you were around 49-11 yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a tough a tough talk about life and what I should do and I rebelled after that conversation and it, it was the best thing I could have ever done because I kind of felt like I had my own mind. I felt like I can, you know, finally be who I wanted to be and grow up and go experience the world because my mother wasn't having it. She yeah. did not want, and me being the very first child and going out into the world, you know, yeah. I'm sure that parents are probably a little scared to lose their children so fast. Absolutely. I get that part. But just like I tell some of my mentees or people who come and talk to me about being mentors or the people who are scared to even release their children because they they got them in their hands like this all balled right. up. Right. They can't see anything. All they see is what they see between them and the child. And it's very, it's very sad because I was once that kid yeah. that wasn't able to do what I wanted to do when it came to me being in the real world. I mean, I had just turned 18. And I was really trying to figure out, you know, what was next. I already knew that I was going to go to college. But at that time, colleges were, um, no, at that time, I had broke my shoulder, 12th grade year. I I remember. Maryland, But then Coach uh, Loxley left, and I believe he went to Florida. So, you know, it was a lot of, you know, back and forth with, with what I was going to do. And I remember the conversation with your mother saying is, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I was like, well, do I, is that my choice? Hey, am I allowed to have a want? <laughs> like, you know, I was like, am I allowed to say, no, this is what I want to do. Uh, I don't want to do that. Because I'm like, I'm living at home. 
what if I'm put out on the street and this, this, that, and the third? And I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, you have several people that, you know, want to go out into the world and experience things. But she said, guess what? They're scared. And she said they're scared because they haven't been exposed. She said they're scared because their parents got a hold on to them and they don't want them to do anything else but end up like them. And mm-hmm. she said, and that's to sit at home and do absolutely nothing. And I was like, well, I don't want that for me. She right. said, <laughs> and she was like, well, then you have to think about you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that whole conversation has been the light to push me forward into the world to try to figure out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I always knew I wanted to go away from home to go to school. And at that time, I had the opportunity to go to Arizona. And my mother was like, you're not going to Arizona. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, what can I do? Right. What can I do? <laughs> like, you don't want me to go here. You don't want me to go there. I was trying to go to Delaware State with my cousin. She she turned that down. That was it. And I was like, what am I going to do? Mm. Like, what am I going to do? So I pretty much, I rebuilt. And I was like, you know what? I'm working. I was working construction with my father at the time. Mm-hmm. I got paid every week. I, I made like over $11,000 that summer. I really didn't have anything to do with my money. I right. Yeah. No bills. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I had no bills. I had $11,000 saved up. You know, I was going to the school in Arizona where I got accepted, I think it was like that June. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to go, but I don't know how. And she was like, and that's the problem. She said, you need to figure it out. And I was like, oh. I was like, how much stuff are you going to throw at me right now? So... When I talk to some of these kids that's in high school or the kids that's in middle school and they're thinking about, you know, what they want to do with their life, like I tell them, you're not going to know. I said, I was 18 and I was out of school and I still didn't know. So every day is a different day. Every day is a new lesson. You have to learn every single day. It's a life experience. And what that taught me was was to stop being scared and take the risks. She was big on that. Yeah. She 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 was big on removing the uh, training wheels, so to speak. And I'm gonna tell you, that's where the O came from. Obstacles. Yeah, yeah. She she was big. She was big on removing the train. And and it's crazy as I sit here and I listen to this. Like I can vividly remember that time in your life. Like I I remember, like because it it actually struck me as odd because out of the blue, it's like, why is he there? Right, like, I was right? in the house. Yeah, like, why? <laughs> why? And then, but then when I, you know what I'm saying, when, you know, I got I the back. I didn't who else to turn to. Yeah, no, and I got the backstory. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You came, you came to the right place because, I mean, of course, some, this may come off as partial to some or, or most, but she, she's the reason why I am who I am. Just like to echo your, 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 your sentiments. In that she was about helping people, right? And, and even at the the detriment of her own health, ultimately. Like if you hear the saying, give the shirt, you know, give a person a shirt off your back, like that that was her. Like if she could not have gas and she's driving a car to come pick somebody up from somewhere where they needed a ride to, mm-hmm. you know, back to wherever. Like that's that's the type of sacrifice 
and she was accustomed to making almost at every turn. So when you hear about, you know, it takes a village, more often than not, and I mean 90% time more often than not, she was front and center when it came to that village. Because you weren't the only one, and you know that, you know, whether it was Deidre or, or, or Byron, as you mentioned, you know, uh, Daniel, who will be on at some point later, like everyone knew that you, you knew two things. If you were coming for assistance, you were going to get that and the medicine may not taste good. Mm-hmm. But the but the medicine's good for you, right? It's good for you, but it ain't going to go down like like the yummy cherry, you know, Robitussin or whatever the cool flake. No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to taste like gravel. Going down, but once you get it, once you digest it, like you just alluded to, you look back like, wow, oh okay, that worked. I remember walking back home, and I was talking to myself the whole way. I was like, I was scared. I, I didn't lie. I was scared. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like Dang. I said, I'm about to be pushed out into the world. Uh-huh. I may be pushed out on the street if I say that one. If you say the wrong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, like I know what I want. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be at home. And it's not like you know, it just was nothing going on. Nothing. Like I didn't want to just work for the rest of my life. I yeah. knew that it was more out there. So I wanted to go and you know explore that. I wanted to make sure that I can not only set up my life for the way I want to be, but to be able to see, to for my siblings to be able to see that hey. You know he's gone he's doing this or whatever the case right. be. You, you you can leave the nest right um, and you know i didn't even ask my parents to go i took my acceptance letter i remember sitting, sitting the note back um and i went online to look for tickets tickets were so so high i was like that's like $700 for it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. So then I went outside. I called my godfather. And I said, um, I said I need a plane ticket. And he was like, a plane ticket? Right. <laughs> and this was my first time being on a plane. He was oh, like, really? Wow. My first time being on a plane. He said, a plane ticket? He said, where are you, where are you going? I said, I have to get out of here. Like, I have to go. Like, it's just something that just burns deep inside you that tells you. It's something else out there. It's something that you have to do. And he was like, well, what are you trying to do? And I was like, I'm going to go to school in Arizona. He was like, Arizona? He was like, you figured all of this stuff out already? Do you know where you're going to stay? I said, look, 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 look. Look, I just need a plane ticket. Uh (laughs) That's it. I need a plane ticket. I got to get out of here. So he um had used the points on his American Express, and then he got me a ticket on American Airlines. That was the worst ride of my life. <laughs> Especially if it's your first time. I mean, just starting there. This is my first flight ever. And, oh, yeah, it's 3,000 like miles. It was, it was like shaky or rocky or nothing yeah. like that. The seat was so, so yeah. small. And I just was so uncomfortable and not being in something for so long like that for the very first time. I was right, like, yeah. never fly again. Yeah. I contemplated on driving home. That's four days. Yeah. The next Yeah, time. I'm 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 glad you changed <laughs> your mind because Oh, I've done it twice though. I've done it twice. 
Yeah. That's a, I've, al- I've always wanted to do that just to say I've driven yeah, across country. It's nice yeah. to do it. It's nice. Yeah. Um, that's when I found out that the desert does get cold. I mean, freezing cold. Really? Wow. Dude, Mexico is freezing like this. What the? Yeah, it gets bad. That's interesting. So I rebuilt after that conversation and I left and I didn't come back home for like two years. But it's what but it's what you needed to do, right? And whether it had been my mom, whether it had been, you know, a guy at McDonald's, whether it just been, you know, the voice in your head, the fact that you one, you digested the information that was that that was shared with you, and you by yourself had enough confidence to say, you know what? Let me jump out there. I mean, from what I understand. That's literally the definition of faith, right? I, you don't know if there's a net below you, but you know, man, I got it. I, I think I could fly. I and think I could fly. Safety net, but some yeah. of us don't have a safety net. Right, yeah. I knew that there yeah. was nothing else. It was yeah. this or it was, that was it. And that's what, again, that's what makes it faith-driven. Like you had, supreme. I won't say supreme confidence because I'm sure you were shook no, to death, no, no, no. but you, you felt like, you know what? I know, like you said, I know I don't want to do X. Mm-hmm. So the only way to assure that I'm not going to do X is to at least try this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fast forward, look at you now. You know, so that's that's a great example for your mentees to follow. Yeah, and I, I basically try to express to them, and especially some parents who have a hold on their kids, like it's just one kid now that I'm trying to get and all of my you know people that I've had set up already that I talked to the person about it's like oh well when are they coming like what what's taking so long I'm like right I don't know what to do like I mean the thing will be set up so sweet the person live in the same state that the person went to the the PWI that they want to go to in a profession that has so much, so many connections and outreach, and this person could really guide this student. Basically, it it really like a cakewalk. Man, it's sweet. It sounds sweet. Yeah, it's really like a cakewalk. But, but there's the this parent. person went to that university, graduated with honors, went to school in a, in a professional way, got all the degrees that they needed. Now they're working for big companies, and it's like, okay. Who else would say, oh, just bring them to me? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Especially and not I, nobody like us, because I've seen them. Right. They don't have time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, in my profession, what I've found, and I'm sure you find this too, because that's the sentiment you're echoing, a lot of times the parents project their fears and apprehensions onto the child, right? And they'll mask it by saying, well, I'm just, I'm just, oh, I, I just care a lot. You know, I just want to make sure that he or she isn't swallowed up by this world or, you know, something to that effect. We'll curb it like that when in actuality, what they're really suppressing is the re- the real reason why they're holding on to this son or daughter. And that's because they're scared, you know, not scared that they're going to get hurt not scared that there's going to be some physical harm brought to their child, but they're scared that 
you know, I, actually, I feel like they're scared twofold. I think that they're scared that the child may not succeed. Mm-hmm. And I catch this next part. I sometimes feel like the parents are scared that the child may succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's success, right? So now, as a, as a parent, you're kind of looking in the mirror like, wow, my, 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 my child has surpassed me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the funny part. You can yeah. see when a parent don't want the child to be much better than you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that to me is really what it's like. I'll be like that. In my opinion, that's a form of child abuse. And I I say that without hesitation, no tongue in cheek. Right. For you for you to hold a person down because you don't want he or she to surpass whatever you have or have not done. That's insane, right? That's that's at the least that's neglect. Yeah. Because as a, a, a as a parent, I mean, I don't have any children, but as a parent, I would like to think that your number one priority is for he and she, he or she, to surpass you. Exactly. Right. To have more, to do more, and your experiences as an individual, you're supposed to pour into them to enrich them. At least I think that's how it's supposed to go. I'm not, yeah, you know, that's, I, how supposed I, to go. Yeah, I'm, that's how it's supposed to go. I don't know everything, but, you know, but yeah, again, I, I'm, I've, I've been in this about a decade and a half. I've been in this long enough to have seen, you know, where parents are like, eh. and I sit back and I'm like, wait, that hesitancy, that hesitancy isn't because, you know, Quincy may not do well. That hesitancy is because you don't want him doing too much better than he is right now because that makes you feel better. Yeah. That's, that's, that's sad, but it's all part of the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much. Um, I I had a situation like that before and I was baffled. I was like, and when you can just tell what the real issue is, that's a problem. And you know, I've even, spoke to the student and was like, you know, you have to figure out what you want to do. So you, just, just like your mother told just you. Just I was about to say, yeah, see how it comes full circle. <laughs> so, I'm just like, you know, and people always think that, you know, you would have a different handle on their child or you might put some something else into their ear to make them go against them. I'm like, mm-mm, I would never do that. That's not what you're here for. That doesn't benefit me. Yeah. The only benefit that I get from this is to help your child succeed. And yeah. that's in whatever way it comes, whether that's, you know, through me having a heart to heart, because it's really sad when other people can, you know, sit there and look at the situation and assess it better than you can. But this is right. Right, man. Yeah. But sometimes, and you alluded to this at the beginning, sometimes yeah. it takes that perspective right like you said you had your parent you had a, a, a two household parent you know a two-parent household pardon me but sometimes it took my perspective or daniel's perspective or some of the older guys perspective outside of, even though we may have been saying the same thing in our own way but you needed that voice right to trigger whatever the next step was now if your mom and or dad would have been like well, stay away from, don't listen to them. 
stay away from them. They don't know what they're talking about. Again, now you're suffocating. <laughs> you're, you're, you're suffocating that child who, at the risk of redundancy, you want to bloom even bigger and brighter than you ever did. So, you know, there's kind of like that. Then there starts to be that contradiction, you know. So people, and, and again, I, I keep alluding to this because, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in that lane now. You see where people tend to sabotage either themselves or their children f- for whatever reason. When all you got to do is get out of it. Sometimes you just got to get out of the way. You know, sometimes, and even me, I, I you know, I, okay, I'm, I'm a coach. I've, I have this many contact hours. I have this much experience. Sometimes a 12-year-old can help me help them. Yeah. And I have to be receptive to that as opposed to, oh, well, you don't know what. How can you tell me? No, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can do, in my opinion. Well, oh, I'm the same way. That's just like the saying I used to hate. Oh, you're too young right now. I'm like, yeah. but you're doing this around me. Right, right. That's what, that's what, see, that's when you don't have anything else to say. It, exactly. You know what I mean? I, 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 first. Yeah. But yeah. never get an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, for real, you know, in those instances, it's, in my opinion, it's so much easier to just say, get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't even tell me what my age has to do with it. Just get out of here. Right. Your, 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 your presence is not welcome. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's tell the people how they can reach you and how they can find your organization. Absolutely. So the uh, swim team is... Heal Swim Club, helping elevate all levels swim club. Uh, you can reach me at healswimming.com. Uh, you can also reach me via email, uh, B as in boy, L as in Larry, O as in Oscar, Z as in zebra777 at AOL.com. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. We're on Instagram, Heal Swim Club. We're on Facebook, Heal Swim Club. Uh, we're not on Twitter as of yet. We're a relatively small entity, so you know we're, we're crawling before we walk at the moment, but we'll get there. Yeah, you're and, uh, making a big impact. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would like to think so. You know, and then I didn't mention this earlier, but I've also been coaching Murray High School, uh, their varsity team for the past four or five years. So, you know, again, all things aquatics. You know, and um. And for the swim club, what is the requirements for your swim club? If parents want to know more about that, uh, you just have to be able to make it from one side of the pool to the other, twenty-five yard pool, uh, without assistance. That means uh, stopping on the wall and/or main rope. Uh, that's our bar is relatively low to join the team because, again, to to reference the the name. We, we try to help every level. So while I do have a young man who right before the pandemic was scheduled to travel to Buffalo for a regional meet, I also have individuals on the team who are still working on entering the water with their hands above their head as opposed to Kawabunga style. So, you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, man. You know, so I, have a, I actually just had an assessment yesterday at the pool a young young girl by the name of Kayla. She's eight, and she's probably closer to the learn to swim 
side of the spectrum. But um, yeah, we try to we try to um, we try to take as many as possible and service well service rather as many as possible. But that's the ball, making it from one side to the other, uh, unassisted. Yeah, I used to die in the swimming pool, but I could swim though. Yeah, and, and it's funny how people it, you you have no idea how many times I hear both of those <laughs> statements uh-huh. mushed together. Uh-huh. Oh my God, I'd be dying, but I can swim now. Oh, okay, born, look, born a fish, born right. a species. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, give me the beach. Right, give me the beach. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm good. Give me the beach. Well, if you hit the wave, I'm good. Well, if I mean, I swim, swim me. Uh-huh. Yeah, not all, not all, not all that zipping back and forth, huh? I remember the first time I tried to do, I think it was like going straight down, coming back, going straight down, and flipping and coming back. I was, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. That was three, that was three times yeah, too many. My three or four seconds on the field. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, and that's, and that's, I mean, all jokes aside, a lot of people don't realize swimming is probably one of the most demanding sports. Yeah. I mean, across the board because there aren't too many muscles that you don't tap into so yeah. it is a great all-body workout oh absolutely when when i was going to the gym so yeah it is a oh. great all-body workout so. and it's a and it's a spectrum sport not to cut you off it's a spectrum sport one to to touch on what you just alluded to outside of being a pisces we all came we we were all in fluid at some point, right? Because that's what the womb is, you know? So you go from that to, you just alluded to working out, uh, therapy. You see all the athletes, where do they send them Mm -hmm. post-injury? They send them to the pool. You know, I I know of 70-plus-year-old active swimmers right now who can still get in the water and swim for 60 to 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's a... it's a it's a spectrum sport, if you will. Yeah. You know. Good endurance. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, don't get it twisted, cause. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll work you out. Exactly. <laughs> well, all right, Crosby. I thank you for coming on today. Um, I want to definitely have you on once again in the future. Maybe we can have a more in-depth conversation as far as community and collaborations. Absolutely. Uh, we do have some outside things coming up this summer. Uh, okay. We'll be at different, uh, what you call them? Uh, I don't even know what you call them. I don't even want to say arenas, but it's not arenas. It's like different businesses. So, okay. you know, those little play parks, what do they call those play parks? Like them little trampoline, jump play park places. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking like about. That. So yes. they want to get kids more exposed to things that's in the community. So we'll be doing like different interviews in front of the, you know, main entrance of the uh, the establishment and meeting mm-hmm. kids and you know just engaging with them to kind of pique their interest in what they want to do while they're at the age that they're at. So okay, that should be interesting. But I'll definitely let you know more about that. Yeah, yeah please do. Celebrity folks from the DMV, as far as comedians. You know, the social media is going out of control. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> they blowing up quicker than the quicker than the uh, the aluminum foil in the microwave. So, oh, right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now that's quick. <laughs> right. 
All right, so I want you to have a good evening. I want to thank you once again, and I will talk to you soon. Oh, man, the pleasure's been all, man. The, the pleasure's been all, man. Stay up. Thank you. Later. Hey, come and make some paper, yeah.